see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is the Black, Black Cat, Cat Report. Report. See you on the other side. The Night Prowler by ACDC playing in the background. Detectives pounded the pavement trying to move hell and earth to find anything that would lead them to the Night Stalker. Entering each residence that was defiled by Richard Ramirez, the detectives, being horrified by what they saw, noted every detail. Pen to paper and shoe to mud, the detectives would track down and find the most notorious serial killer in the West Coast history. The man who brought fear to everyone who would even make Satan say, what is wrong with that guy? <laughs> it was time for the detectives to prowl. Damn. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the Blackout Report and our final episode in the four-part series on Richard Ramirez. I am Betsabe, your host. With me is Gil. Hello. Selena. Hi. And Joey. I'm slowly becoming Richard Ramirez. Ha, I'm just kidding. Hey. Oh, no. The last few episodes have been so harrowing and dark that it is about time to shed some light on the heroes of the story. The heroes being the victims and detectives who brought him to justice. With all the details surrounding the case, we might end up doing a mini episode next week to give more details about the court case. As of now, we will be focusing on the detectives searching after the murders and assaults and how Richard was actually caught. So let's delve into it. Yeah. Ah, I'm so excited. Like, Joey, you have to be feeling this times 10, but like, I'm so tired of hearing about Richard Ramirez, but at the same time, like, I need to know how this shit ends. Yeah. Like, I need to fucking know it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I will be going into some of the yeah. uh, the actual. There were some murders that I did not actually include. Um, that I right, he killed more people than you think. Uh, than is actually listed in some. So I found those, and they're added in to add part of the, you know, part of the uh, evidence okay. as well. So okay. they'll be in okay. there. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, last episode, um, just reading about all the murders, it had me like very um like uncomfortable for a little bit just like when i went to sleep that night i just had like some weird dreams and i just felt very icky so i'm kind of happy that we're finally moving on to like you said the true heroes of the story like i want to hear more about how this guy um was basically just uh, yeah was hmm. brought to justice like thank god mm -hmm. <laughs> so moving into details in the murder of jenny binko the detectives noted that there were latent fingerprints on the window that richard had opened after he took off his gloves to open up the windows they found four prints three that were able to be taken and one that was smudged to get this they used a special kind of tape that locks onto the fingerprint and lifts it off this was his first mistake in the first murder. In the next murder of Del Okasaki, Richard left his ACDC baseball cap my as favorite he went on the garage door. Oh no, not my swag. <laughs> not my swag. <laughs> Honestly, that will be me. Like, I would do stuff like He's that. Like, like, leaving my, my sunglasses. I was like, fuck, I left my drip at the uh, house. Yeah, his favorite hat. Out tonight to cruise. <laughs> Yeah, I will be. I will be like leaving things all the time. Like I could not be a a, a murderer or anything because I would just leave either my phone, my sunglasses, my wallet. This, like this I would, brings up. I will be the worst. This brings up yes. an important Joey point. <laughs> you should only suspect people that are good at remembering the small things of being a serial killer. I'm just saying, if they're the type of person that mm. always has their keys, never forgets their shoes. You know, like always has their lunch, things of this of these natures. 
they are probably actually guaranteed to be a serial killer. And you should suspect them and call the authorities immediately. All of them. How often are you out and about and realize you forgot your shoes? At least Yo. once a month. <laughs> me? At I want least to know. once a month. What are you trying to do to me right now, Selena? What are you... And you're trying to say that somebody that doesn't lose their shoes has their shit together? It's not just a normal thing for people to know that they should be wearing shoes? I've got no comment. Anyways, Betsy, you were about to tell us a fascinating tale of Richard Ramirez being captured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was a very forgetful guy, for sure. I mean, he left his favorite ACDC baseball cap. And then um, he then left Maria Hernandez uh, live as he thought she was dead. And seeing her, he was surprised she survived. Like, oh my gosh, she's alive. This will be the first description of Richard they will have as she saw his face clearly. Let's cover this again. He shot at her in the dark with a twenty-two. This will be his second and third mistake. Again, Gil, twenty-two. <laughs> I I I feel like I've said enough, but I haven't said enough. Look, if you're hunting squirrel, twenty-two, great. If you're if you're hunting small birds and you're a twelve-year-old that's just trying to terrorize animals for sport, twenty-two is great, right? You know, um, I don't know, in the Southwest, I don't think they have birds. They just have fucking lizards or something. Shoot it with a twenty-two. It's fine. Pterodactyls. Small pterodactyls. Wingless pterodactyls. I, I don't know what a twenty-two but, like, is. What the fuck are you doing trying to shoot a human being with a twenty-two? Like, I will say, like, if he was a more competent serial killer, a twenty-two could be used to actually like really bring horror onto the person he's shooting. Like if you used a 22 properly, it would do a bunch of fucked up shit to a human body. It would bounce around, cut and bleed through organs, like cause all sorts of issues. But this guy is a moron. He's shooting them straight on, expecting them to die. Like he's taking headshots and they're not dying. I mean, he also, he also sent many of them to the hospital that later died. So he did do what you're saying. But remember, he thought he was being protected by Satan. So all these little mistakes, he was like, whatever. Satan to make the caliber bigger. Yeah. No one will notice, like, blah, blah, blah. But like, yes. the thing is, is that I get the vibe from him that he thinks he's actually killing these people. Like he doesn't know all the time. But he did. But. But well, he but he doesn't know that, that. Like, all right, retract. I f I get the vibe from him that he thinks that when he shoots them in the head, they're dead. Like it's like it's like an immediate thing. Like he's pumped up with adrenaline. He's fucking in the house. He's like, bang, dealt with that one. Bang, dealt with that one. But like, even in these situations, multiple times, like there was that that older gentleman who like got shot multiple fucking times and still managed to call 911 to like save his wife or try to save his wife. Right? Like Richard Ramirez thinks that it's like a one and done kind of thing with the 22, which is like what has been irritating me where I'm like you are a fucking moron. Like that's not how the human like humans are but notoriously he... hard to kill. There's books about this. But he does sh he shoots multiple times. He's not one and done it depends on the murder joey joey you're a resident expert it depends on the murder correct <laughs> anyways moving on <laughs> on that same night of creeping on Xia lin yu she passed away before they could get any information from her but they got statements from two witnesses who had seen the murder from a distance this will be another set of witnesses that got a look at him and could come at least close to identifying what had happened. Next, we have the murder of Vincent and Maxine Zazara. As you know, he used a compound can or a compost can to step up and open the window in the back of the house. Doing so, he left a clear footprint of his obvious shoes 
he also left footprints all along the back of their house. They also found that Maxine's eyes had been taken out, which would be a sticking point for the detectives. They would ask Richard's family if Richard had given the eyes to them, much to the disgust of the family. Detectives also were able to match the 22 bullets later on with things they found in his suitcase. Yeah, like he was definitely not smart about everything that he was doing. But again, his thought process was that he was being protected by Satan. So he didn't think ahead by, oh, like whatever footprints or witnesses, you know, his thought was like Satan's protecting me. I can do whatever I want. No one's ever going to find this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So later on to once he was caught, they couldn't rule out, you know, Ruth and Julian and every one of his family as part of like the crimes because he had been sending them stuff in the mail the whole time. And so they were like, oh, maybe he's sending them money. Maybe he's sending them, I don't know, pieces of stuff. Maybe he's giving them eyes. (laughs) So they went up to the... I'm sorry. I'm just picturing, (laughs) like, ears and noses and toes, like, coming through the mail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just, like... They make a Frankenstein (laughs) person with all the stuff. They're just, like, hmm, they might be involved. It's just, like, it's a nose. It's an ear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they might have known what was Mm. going on. Um, But, yeah, they asked Ruth first when they went to talk to them after they had taken him in. And she was like, uh, no, I have not been given any set of eyes. And then they asked, they asked the dad later on too, Julian, Julian. And we're like, Hey, did you receive a set of eyes? And he's like, uh, I've done a lot of things in my life and I've seen a lot of things in my life, but no, I was not giving a set of eyes. I really hope that there was like, fuck, what is it called? The like the Billy, the singing bass or whatever. That was like the fucking craze of the early 2000s where it's like, like, I hope the whole time that the fucking like FBI or whoever was there and they were like, did you receive some eyes? He's like, uh. Uh, no, and then the motion-activated fucking bass starts singing in the background and just has human eyes attached to the fucking bass. It's like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> The next murder of William Doy and assault and rape of his wife, Lillian Doy. Lillian described Richard as the men in black with bad teeth. <laughs> of course, obviously, which will help the detectives get a better description of, of the murderer. They also found an obvious shoe print, just like they found at the Zasara's murder. Corillo and Salerno could not get any information from this murder as it was in the Monterey Park area, and the police stonewalled them here. This would have helped the detectives put this together as another murder by Richard, but instead they had to wait a bit longer to be able to label him a serial killer. During the break-in in the house of John and Susan Rodriguez, he left another obvious shoot print. This was now the calling car of Richard Ramirez, according to the detectives. On to Mary Louise Cannon's murder, the detectives found footprints on the rug. They couldn't tell if it was the obvious shoes, but they measure about the same as the other shoe prints. Richard had also left a knife on the bed next to her. They then found a napkin on the floor with blood on it. Detectives found on that napkin a shoe print of the familiar Avia shoe. There was a connection now between the other murders. The Avia shoe. If the shoe doesn't fit, dun, dun, dun. then you must acquit. Mm-hmm. Yep, those Avia Modern shoes. Modern day Cinderella. Yep, yep, got a... Cinderella, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Going on to the assault on the 16-year-old Whitney, the detectives found another Avia shoe print. This time they found it on the bed comforter. Another bloody shoe print. Whitney would eventually testify in court about the attack. So some of the details she could not remember, she was instrumental in putting Richard behind bars. And Whitney actually ended up marrying one of the detectives, Frank Salerno's son. Mm. Which is like a very kind of cute story. The next assault of Sophie Dickman gave the detectives another description of an up-close view. And also, she will always remember his voice. 
She worked with the police to give a description of him. She said he was tall, skinny, and good-looking. I can't ha- uh. think how weird it was that she said he was good-looking. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> with his mouth closed, like, he could be handsome. Yeah, I mean, it's all about Some the hair. Some people are really into that. I mean, but he also has, like, cheekbones and, like, a chiseled jaw. Like he, Yeah, he what? had great cheekbones. He's, like, yeah. you know, kind of handsome, but, like, if he opens his mouth, it's all rotted garbage. Yeah. So it's, like, as long as he doesn't open his mouth, he's, like, yeah, I would guess he would be attractive. That's why they say, calladito te ves más bonito. ¿Qué es? What does that mean? Which means uh, you look prettier if you're quiet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. Damn. Damn! It's a, it's a very sexist yeah, joke. Yeah, keep that, keep that lip buttoned. I want to ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. was she British? That's very key to this. My last name's Bentley, okay? I can't get a more British last name. Mr. Bentley. But, but, I think she was born in the U.S. Was, I think Sophie Dickman was born in the U.S. Was she, was she strongly influenced by British heritage? Because the British have this insane ability to completely see as invisible people's teeth. They can, pe- they can think yes. people are the most gorgeous, handsome, beautifulest people in history, but then you see their teeth as an American, and you're like, that shit jacked up. Like, you were born with a fucking crowbar in your mouth. Something's wrong here. you know. And I'm talking about somebody with a gap and shit like that. You know, like me, right? And, like, I'm just curious. Was she British? Like, she needs to get that Ancestry.com, which, speaking of which, we are now brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. Um, whoop, whoop. We'll get to that later. <laughs> so, they found Sophie Dickman's house ransacked and handcuffs on the bed. That next day, the detectives were called to Joyce Lucille Nelson's house. This murder had much more evidence for them to find. They found the all-too-familiar obvious shoe print, but this time on her face. Yeah. They knew this was their man. They feared that she was handcuffed, and this was another coincidence between the rest of the murders and assaults. This was the time they found out the information for the Avia aerobic shoe. There were only 1,354 pairs made and only six made their way to the West Coast. Only one was a size 11 and a half. This made it easier to narrow it down to one person. At this point, they had sent out this description, shoes and teeth to all the other police departments around the LA area. He was now a wanted man. I had to include that they sent out the description of his teeth because he's easily known by his teeth. Yeah, you can smell him coming a mile away. Yep. We. It's like the SpongeBob episode where he eats that Sunday with onions and ketchup. Uh, yes, yeah. that's Richard yeah. Ramirez's life. Yep. Basically, yes. You fucked up as an adult if you can be identified by your shoe brand and your teeth. Okay, I'm just saying you have fucked up so Right. At the Covenant murder, they found more obvious shoe prints on the patio and the hallway. Some kid gave details of all that happened at the murder. She described him perfectly and gave another description of the murderer. And this was the one that was released to the press. And every cop had this description on their dash. They also, again, found another Avia footprint in the back of the house. At the nighting murder, they found pieces of a 22 bullet, which they matched later on with his gun in the previous murders. They matched up with the viciousness of the assaults ransacking and the way that Richard broke into the house with the previous assaults and murders as well. After the Peterson's assault and almost murder, they found again more, 25 shell casings and bullet holes. The only way they made the connection between the other murders and assaults was that he used the word bitch. 
which was one of Richard's favorite words. Also, they described him as wearing all black and that he was the same height as the Night Stalker. When they describe this part and how they're connecting this mur- this uh, assault and almost murder with everyone else's, they literally said the first thing that connected them to the other murders was he was just like, to- when he was talking to um, uh, her, when he was talking to the wife, um, he said, uh, bitch, and he kept saying bitch and bitch and bitch, and then they're like, oh, that's the same guy as the other murders, because that's, he's he was notorious for saying that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm obviously yeah no education yeah he like didn't go to school right i think he stopped going to school in like eighth grade or something like that maybe seventh grade i think it's eighth grade yeah 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 yeah. next there was the abawath murder and assault the detectives arrived and found you guessed it more shoe prints this time on the kitchen floor but it wasn't the normal Avia shoe, but it was the same size as the Avia shoe. They also found a 25 shell on the floor matching the gun from the last murder. A murder that I did not mention, which was of Peter and Barbara Pan. He did his normal and shot Peter in the head with a 25, then raped and tortured Barbara. She was left alive. He rarely scrolled Jack the knife into the wall and a pentagram into the wall with red lipstick. Richard left another shoe print of his now famous obvious shoes at the scene. This was used to connect the murder to him. Before he entered the Smith's house, he tried to burglarize another home, this time of James Romero Jr. As luck would have it, James was outside grabbing a pillow from the car. When Ramirez crept up, James noticed some rustling and rushed to find out what it was. Richard decided it would be best to flee and not take any chances. James rushed around the house to see who it was, thinking it was a thief, and noted the make, color, and license plate of the car. It was an orange Toyota. It was time for Richard to enter the Smith's house. The detectives found the ransacking, shell casing, and the same details of the assault. Richard even identified himself as the Night Stalker. They knew it was the same person. It was finally time for someone to identify him. A tip came in that someone who frequented the bus stop knew the name of the person who the media had called the Night Stalker. The guy said he was named Rick and was from Texas. He also named the person who Richard was fencing his stuff to. They staked out the fence's house, but would not find Richard there. They tracked down a lady who bought jewelry that Richard had fenced. She gave them the name of the Armando, who was the fence who sold the jewelry. They placed him under arrest under suspicion of helping Richard Ramirez. Armando only then gave up Richard's last name. He said it was Richard Ramirez. This was the time the detectives had a full name. The detectives found a prior arrest of Richard Munoz Ramirez using a brand new Japanese ID system that California had just purchased. A fingerprint on an orange Toyota they have found abandoned in Koreatown after they were tipped off by James Romero was used to match the Night Stalker with the original arrest. They then got the mugshot picture of Richard Ramirez and showed it to Armando. He confirmed that it was him, the Night Stalker. Now it was time to release the picture. And boom, there was his picture out for everyone to see. His name and face was in every newspaper and news stream. He could not hide. Damn. Whoop, whoop. whoop. Yeah. Oh, I scared Willow. <laughs> oh, Willow, princess. They, they went and shook down like a lot of these people. Like this lady they had randomly found had jewelry from one of the other persons that was murdered. And so they found her. Uh, can't remember how they found her, but they just were shaking down people. Got her name, found her. And then she was like, um, I don't really know. I just know that 
the person's name was Rick and the that that had fenced the stuff Rick. and yeah, and they, everyone called him Rick and like he I guess he said that his name was Rick to everybody and so they traced she she was like well you should go to where I bought this from and so Armando was that guy and then Armando was like I'm not gonna tell you anything I'm not gonna talk to you detectives I'm sorry and they were like oh really you're not gonna talk to us huh and he was like no I'm not gonna talk to you I don't talk to police and they're like all right you're under arrest for uh, helping Richard helping a. Uh, uh, Aiden Abed, a uh, serial killer. And so they took him downtown. They're like, cool, you're not going to talk to us. We're just going to put you in jail. And so he sat in jail for a little bit. And then... And he said, um, actually... Yeah, they were just like, all right, well, well you're going to... Now gonna, that you mention yeah, it. They're like, you're going to spend a good amount of time in here, so good luck. And he was like, um... Actually, I do know that guy's last name. Uh, uh, his uh, name is Richard oh, Ramirez. Richard. Richard. Oh, my... Richard. That Richard. Yes, 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 that Richard. <laughs> yeah, that yes. guy. Oh, and then and they're yeah. like, cool. Uh, thank you. We're going to look this up. So then they looked up all the information. And yeah, they had just bought that uh, uh, Japanese ID system um, that just came over to them. And it was in Sacramento. So they found that one James Romero told them about the orange Toyota, which he had seen. And got the information for it. They found the detectives found that in Koreatown, like a two or three days later <laughs> after that, uh, Koreatown, a, a place in L.A. Um, and then they uh, they found apparently Richard Ramirez had wiped it down so crazily, so good because he was like super. He he knew that they were coming after him at this point, so he wiped it down really, really good as fast as he could. But he missed one single fingerprint, and it was on the rearview mirror. Mm. And they found it and they found it and we're like, perfect. We know that he's got a prior arrest because uh, another guy that they had uh, interrogated told them that if you look up this one arrest, it was him. It was a guy at the uh, guy at the bus station knew knew about that, said uh, this one prior arrest was the one thing that you'll find and probably be able to find his last name because he didn't know it at the yeah. time. Never so adjust your mirrors. Yep. They looked it up and couldn't find the arrest. And then finally, once they, uh, once they, um, once they found the fingerprint, they were able to go back and then match it with and match it with the prior arrest. And then they got the mugshot from that arrest and went found out that it was him. The guy was like, "Cool, all right, time to go to the police." There was a huge. Also, yeah. there was a huge uh, argument in between detectives, and I know Selena probably knows this. All the detectives and all like the. Uh, we're arguing about whether they should release it or not. The mugshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Friday, August 30th, 1985, Richard stepped on a Greyhound bus going to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother, Robert, who had moved to Arizona. Mulling around the bus station, waiting for his brother to get back to his house so he could go visit him. He started seeing undercover cops coming into the bus station. LAPD have found out his brother lived in Arizona and figured that eventually Richard would make it his way over there to visit. Richard decided it might be a good idea to leave, and since he didn't have enough money to get back to El Paso, he bought a ticket back to LA. Throughout the nighttime ride back to LA, he stared out the window, getting a weird prickly feeling on the back of his neck. To him, Something wasn't feeling right. The bus pulled into the station in L.A. And looking around before getting off, Richard could see 15 undercover officers. Those officers were focused on all the buses going out and not the ones coming in. He slipped through the terminal and back onto the streets. It was very hot in L.A. that day, so he stopped into a liquor store. He bought some coffee and a pastry. The fuck? Mm-hmm. At a liquor store. I know. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's so hot. Mm-hmm. Why are you buying coffee like, in a pastry at a liquor store? There are so many things wrong with this. First off, oh, it's so <laughs> hot right now. I need coffee and a pastry. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Second off. Iced coffee. What liquor store <laughs> in the country can you go to where you can find coffee and a fucking pastry like what kind of that's some i've never seen that at that is like y'all we all right you know what i'm sorry but we cannot release part four of this episode because Asheville will literally 
make a new business that is a liquor store pastry coffee shop. If we release this, there will be They're just going to open up a Starbucks at an ABC. Shit. God. Yeah, <laughs> Starbucks is right. going to take it. Yeah, Starbucks is going to take it. So. Oh my god, he's a hipster. He's been a hipster this whole fucking time. Like, I, yes. I really hope I'm not the only one that's realizing this. Like, he's been a hipster this whole... No, it just hit me. He's God. just a hipster. He's, like, his hair, immaculate. His face, immaculate. His car choices, immaculate. His teeth, his hair's immaculate. And his teeth are immaculate. He's just a hipster. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so he decided to go get some coffees and pastries, just like any other hipster would do in LA when it's hot. <laughs> Two older ladies were looking at him and said, El Matador, which in Spanish means the killer. Yeah. Looking around confused, Richard yes. looked at a newspaper and saw his face on the front page. <laughs> Okay, guys, this is this is getting y'all. This shit's about before he could even run out of the store. The manager called the cops. He started running down the street and jumped fences and ran through backyards. Getting close to the Santa Ana freeway, he rushed across, almost being hit by several cars. Once he got across the freeway, he grabbed a bus going south. As soon as he sat down, people started pointing at him. Everyone knew who he was. He hopped off the bus as it stopped and made his way down another street. He decided that it was time to steal a car and go to Mexico because that's <laughs> the answer for everything. <laughs> Little late. Continuing, <laughs> yes. Continuing down the streets, people were calling the police and recognizing him. Police sirens and helicopters were all around. Teenage boys started following him, but he turned around and said, I have a gun. Get the fuck away from <laughs> me. He needed a car. As he was walking, he saw a woman in a running car. Manuela Villanueva was in the car waiting for her boyfriend, who was buying tamales and coffee at a grocery store. Richard walked up to the car and said, Mataron a mi mamá, or my mother has died. He tried to pull her out of the car, but just at the moment, her boyfriend Carmela and Arthur, who was a barber, came running out of the building. Richard ran away and jumped a few fences. He ended up losing Carmela and Arthur. Getting tired and near the end of his rope, Richard walked onto Hubbard Street. Woo woo! Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is I like a whole Hubbard. thing. Like, I grew up there's near no way out of this. Yep. Oh, then you saw him. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't born yet, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. This, this is way before you. But yeah, there's just like no way out. Everyone knows who he is. He's freaking out. He's just jumping fences, uh, trying to steal cars, but he can. Like he, he's his time out, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This blog was, this is the cool part, because this blog was made of, of mostly Mexican-Americans, and the word had spread like wildfire on the street. And one thing about Mexicans or Mexican-Americans is that you don't mess with those people. Like, if they know you've done something bad, they will come and get you. <laughs> he hopped a fence and ended up in the backyard of Luis Munoz. Luis was cooking hamburgers in the backyard and holding a spatula. He asked Richard... What are you doing back here? Richard was just too tired and couldn't answer. So Luis started whacking Richard with this. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. Like, yes. You're not invited. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> Richard then stumbled away as fast as he could <laughs> and jumped into the next neighbor's yard. <laughs> this was the yard of Faustino. There was a red Mustang in the front of the driveway that was running, which was Faustino's daughter's car. Richard, getting excited as he saw the running car, tried to jump into the car and steal it. But as he tried to drive away, Faustino grabbed the wheel and steered into the chimney part of the house. Mm -hmm. Faustino then jumped back up and grabbed the keys and threw them on the ground and said, 
you cannot take this car. Yeah. After this, Richard decided to run away again. He jumped another fence and was gone. It was so great. Oh he was gosh. like a hero moment for Faustina uh, because he mm. was like, this is my daughter's car and you will not take this car. <laughs> He's like, you will never get this car from me. And he, Richard was like, He went Uh-oh. into the wrong neighborhood. He, he did. Like, he really did. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just making all those mistakes. Like, hello. Like, you're going into a Mexican-American neighborhood. Like, yeah. Yeah, we don't need police. No we are the you. police. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> We're the police here. We don't need no help from the cops. Yeah. We got yep. this. <laughs> Running down the street, Richard saw Angela de la Torre getting in front of her car in front of her house, Richard thought this was the way he needed to go to get out of trouble. She saw him and started yelling, El Matador! He punched her in the stomach and took Mm. the keys. Jumping into the car, he put the keys in the ignition and was getting ready to drive away. Angela's neighbor was sitting in the car at the time and hopped out to help Angela. One of her other neighbors who was watering the lawn at this time heard the cries and with his son ran over to see what was going on. He got behind the car and asked Richard, what are you doing? As if from the perfect timing, Manuel, Angela's husband, strode out of the backyard with a metal pipe with the end shaped like an L, almost like a tire iron. Manuel ran up to the car opened the door and struck Richard in the head with the pipe. Oh, what a hero. Damn, that mm-hmm. had to feel good. Just then, Richard sprang out of the car and ran away as if it was a movie, Cries of El Matador, <laughs> down <laughs> the street. <laughs> Manuel and the neighbor's son started chasing Richard down the street. Manuel, Manuel swung the bar again but missed. Getting closer to Richard as he was getting exhausted, Manuel, Manuel swung the bar one more time and bam, hit him right in the head. Yeah. Then Manuel stood over top of him and said, go ahead and get up, man. Get up and you're dead. Oh. Richard was on the receiving end of everything he had yes. done to other people. Yes. He was getting his karma. The first police officer on the scene was also named Ramirez, Deputy Ramirez. Confusing. The medevac team arrived and cleaned up Richard's two wounds on his head. The LAPD officers placed Richard under arrest. They sat him down on the curb and asked him, Are you Richard Ramirez? (laughs) Richard replied, defeated. Yeah, I'm Richard Ramirez. The whole fucking time the medevac team's just like, no, 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 it's totally normal for us to put salt in these wounds <laughs> like this is a normal this is how we sanitize is that does that sting oh that means it's working that means it's working i'm just gonna yes. rub some more fucking morton salt into this fucking shit right here have you have you ever heard of the healing powers of hot sauce <laughs> oh! yo but like one of yes. the most fucking like iconic like you don't need a movie if you've ever heard this, if you've ever read this, you don't need a fucking movie. Like, this is one of the most iconic capture scenes yeah. in history. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a fucking, like, mythological god. I don't care who the fuck it is. Anybody across history, this is one of the most iconic conclusion scenes just in history. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dude gets the fucking shit beaten out of him by the neighborhood he's been fucking with. Not just that, but they have the most iconic weapons in history. Who literally has an L-shaped pipe on hand to beat the fuck out of somebody? I'm just saying, you might have a lead pipe, but like the classic (laughs) boop, 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 like fucking like Mario kind of shit. Like an Mm L-shaped pipe to just bow, bow, bow. I also, I'm sorry, Selena, I gotta say, Beating the fuck out of somebody with a spatula is a new desire I have in life. <laughs> I, I really hope that the gun range that we go to includes new targets specifically for us to bring our spatulas. That's all I wanted to say. I know. <laughs> the only thing that was missing was like grandma or some mom mm. coming out with the chancla. And chancla that would just like complete. Uh. Uh, but there were grandmas yes. on the side of the street yelling, El Matador, El Matador, El Matador, <laughs> yeah, as he was like, running down the street. 
they literally like beat the shit out of him and then like stood on top of him and like held him down and like i love it when the cops came he was like begging them to like take him away from these people yes yes i'm here for this shit yeah 100 yeah because after noticing how the crowd was looking they decided to put him in the police car and take him <laughs> to the home back station that's terrible this was against normal protocol yeah. because they would normally take him to the district in which he was caught and the police car richard said why don't you just shoot me now I'm going to be taking to the electric chair and all the killings are going to be blamed on me. Mm -hmm. If a neighborhood in LA says, nope, back of the police car, you really fucked up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They wanted to kill him too. They once yeah, they, that's like, they once, moved him. Yeah, they moved him to another spot, and they were just like, "Oh, this guy is going to be murdered, and we're not going to be able to take him." That was probably put him on trial. That was like the reverends and the police, or the the reverends and the preachers and the fucking rabbis were like, "No, no, no, let's be peaceful." After we beat the fuck out of him and put him in the back. Well, the of police a, it was put it was, him in the back of a cop car. Like <laughs> they after they got some hits in with their L shaped pipe, they were like, "We're just going to set him <laughs> in the back of a cop car." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at this uh at the station the detective observed Richard and took notes as Richard was wondering what had happened and why Satan had abandoned him. He started banging his head against the table and humming the night prowler by ACDC. <laughs> Richard started begging for a gun so he could shoot himself and then begging for the detective to shoot him. The detective just wrote down everything he said in silence. Like that's what I <laughs> this love. This guy is fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the detective was just like looking at him and just he was like, he was okay, told weirdo. he was told not to say anything by the other detectives and just watch watch him. So he just sat there and while he's banging his head with humming the night prowler. Are you there? Like, are you there, mm-hmm. Satan? It's me, Richard. <laughs> I would just be laughing. I'd be like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, what the fuck? And here, um, here comes the heroes, the, the, the detectives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gil Carrillo and Frank Salerno were the detectives on the case. Frank Salerno was a legend who had caught two LA-based serial killers before, cousins Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono, or better known as the Hillside Strangler. Yep, yep. They have been there since almost the beginning, finding clues and chasing down leads. They arrived at the station and went into their room together. They took off the cuffs of Richard and put down a tape recorder. Richard wasn't in the mood to talk about the murders, so he talked about his family instead. Gil Carrillo started talking to Richard in Spanish, which was easier and made Richard feel more comfortable. Richard went through his family history of how he was beaten and his cousin Miguel and his teachings. After a break in the conversation, Richard said, I want a lawyer and said no more. The detectives wanted to get a confession out of Richard so they would not have to bring the defendants and their families to court to relieve the horrendous experience. Under heavy guard, they moved him to a car to take him to LA County Jail. The detectives were afraid that somebody would come from the crowd with a gun and try to kill Richard. He was moved to LA County Jail and put into a solitary room. Richard alone and in jail knew that Satan had left him. He thought about what he had done to be left out in the cold without his protection. Richard wondered, was I too weak? Did I fail him in some was way? Was I too insecure? Well, well, Did well. Did I yep, too yep. much on this What was MIT? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, was it my bio? Was I too insecure? Was it my exes? Was it my bio? <laughs> my mouth. Yeah. yeah. Like, why does Satan <laughs> not love me anymore? Was it my bio? <laughs> <laughs> so Frank Salerno was like a, a legend. And uh, because he caught the hillside, the two hillside stranglers. So how he caught them was so crazy. He found a tiny piece of thread in the eyelid of the second victim. And it led wow. him back to the upholstery shop of the cousins, Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bueno. 
that and they killed and raped 10 women so like he he noticed every single tiny detail and he used that to go into this one and so uh, the avia shoe was one of the huge uh, huge details that he found that linked all the murders then as well as the the um the fingerprint at the top of the mirror which like completely linked it together so <clears throat> yeah <laughs> salerno like no knocking him is the epitome of the detective who has that like amphetamine driven perspective on things like he literally mm-hmm. is like did you notice that and then everybody's just like what are you talking about and he's like that speck of dust if you hold the camera at just this angle <laughs> and like that's the fucking thing that cracks the goddamn case like salerno yeah is the epitome of a super cop and like mm-hmm. uh, no offense to anybody but a lot of offense to some occupations not a fan of cops but salerno is literally one of these motherfuckers that's out there doing the fucking job and getting shit done at least from what i know all right that's just what i know he might have done some fucked up shit but like salerno handles shit and like the way he does is so all I can say is he invented Adderall. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, Gilbert Carrillo, because his name was Gilbert. Respect. Gil. Yep. Respect. He was what they called like a mad, he was what they called a mad dog. So like he was like a person that like he would, he would get in, get into them and like he would get the answers that they needed. And that's why Frank Salerno loved having him with him and them working together because before this, Aww, they, teamwork. yeah, they never worked together. And uh, both of them, when they when they got yeah, they to, had a bromance. They did because like they told you know it's it's said that like homicide detectives and murder detectives spend more times with their partners than their family because they're getting calls at like two thirty a.m. and a lot of these calls for them were like they would get a call at like one a.m. and they'd be like, all right, they wake up, they go to the yep, they go to the uh, they'd go and visit the the mur- where it was where the murder happened. And like there was a bunch of detectives on call, so like these two were the main detectives, and they were the ones that found like put it all together. But there were a bunch of detectives that went to the original murder house, uh, the eventual victims' houses, and found these uh, things. They just came in later and would come and say, "Hey, like what happened here? What things do we need to look at?" And then they'd go deeper and find the next part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that Richard has been caught and thrown in jail. <laughs> He was having women fawn over him, and they would send him letters wanting to be with him. He was a jail heartthrob and was on his way to conviction. He was convicted of 13 murders and put in jail for life. Richard was not killed by the electric chair, but died of complications of B-cell lymphoma on June 7, 2013. He was 53 years old, and as Queen would say, another one bites the dust. Or this time, another demon found his highway to hell. Yes. 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 He He got justice, but, you know, he didn't get the electric chair, which is a, you know. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I mean, he died of cancer, right? So he slowly, painfully he died of yeah. cancer because jail does not give a shit about you. They are not going to no. pay for you to have no. a comfortable experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had a slow death. Yeah. So another way that they found some more evidence against him too, which I thought was very interesting, uh, after he hopped off the bus, you know, when he was coming back from Arizona to LA, he he mm-hmm. was looking at the area and you know saw those undercover cops. He had a bag with him. But he couldn't get the bag because he was like, well, they're going to know. They're going to see me if I go find bags. So he ran out. So they in his pocket when they arrested him, they found the slip for slip. one of the bags. Yeah. They keep like a, they give you a slip. Yeah. Like a ticket with yeah, the yeah, bag. Yeah. So like he can what find it. So it? they found it. And the bag. Yes. What was yeah, in it? Sorry. Uh, they found the <laughs> tiny ticket. You got me. And they, they went to the terminal and they found a jar of Vaseline as one would. Okay. A black pair of Stadia, yeah, a black pair of Stadia shoes, which he used in some of the murders. Yep, a thirty-two twenty revolver. Same. Okay, I've got that. A box, a box of thirty-two twenty ammunition. Uh, You need that for the other one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, twenty-two ammunition. I don't got that. 
25 ammunition. <laughs> I, I don't have that either. And there was a bunch of pliers and a bunch of other little okay, things that's in there. So basically, sus. anything. That's <laughs> sus. And you know what? Fuck that motherfucker. Fuck the Bill of Rights. Arrest that piece of shit. That's all I'm saying. Pliers? Yep. So, what are you yes, doing, pliers. my sir? Yes. And some Vaseline, you know. God. Very sus. Very damn sus. It. sus. So Very sus. They, they use those to... They use the ammunition and the 25 to match it to the... To the uh, to the ammunition that he was using in the um, in the other murders, so that helped that helped them um, kind of coalesce the uh, evidence too. Also, after that, after they captured Richard, Richard's brother Reuben took the two detectives to get Richard's old car, which was a 1976 green Pontiac with a flat tire and a damaged right front fender. They he drew a pentagram again on the <laughs> dashboard. And they took it in, and they found a piece of cheap handcuffs, and they also found his fingerprints in the car. So this also helped him with that, being like, "Oh, he has a tendency tendency to draw to draw pentagrams on the on the dashboard on literally anything he touches." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They also the car, the car that you remember that we talked about that they had impounded and the detectives never got to look at the one he had stolen. Yeah, years ago years he had ago. stolen, and and one of the, the one of the police officers pulled him over and made the jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so he pointed the thing on the dashboard there too. They matched those two. Man. Also, the detectives found out that that had happened after they had found out that it had happened, and it was an impounded. It had already given back, been given back to the original owners, so they never got to see the car that they could have found him. Oh. what eight nine murders earlier? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And Woo! that's the end of Richard Ramirez. Oh, collective sigh of relief. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, we can rest now. Yeah. God. I love I love the hero moments in this, honestly. Just the moment of, of mm-hmm. him standing over top of him, looking at him like, make a move and I'll kill you. He actually wanted to go yeah, in and yeah, get yeah. his gun and shoot him right there. Um, but his wife, but Angela was like, no, 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 no. Arrest. Let them arrest him or else you're going to go to jail too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's why I said he went into the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. You don't mess with those people, especially in LA. People, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our four part series on Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker full of harrowing moments, and at the end, downright Marvel-style heroic moments. We hope you rode the roller coaster with us. Don't forget to like, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, keep up with us on Instagram. There you can find all the latest news. Next week, we're excited to start a two-parter episode. Gil is hard at work researching. So until next week, we'll see you on the other side.